0: Welcome to another inspirational message from Gateway North Church based out of Winnipeg, Canada. Your Sunday sermon any day of the week. I've got this. I've got this. Is that a phrase you found yourself thinking or saying? I've got this. And, you know, I think, guys, if we're really honest, we're probably worse than the ladies for it. For example you're driving into a new town or a new city and, you know, you're trying to figure out where to go and, you know, you're not sure where to go and your wife leans over and she's like, hey, honey, why don't we pull over and ask for directions from that person? And the husband goes, ask for directions? Nah, I've got this. And then gets lost. (laughs) I mean, I'll be totally honest. I'm as guilty as anybody for doing it. Like the time when I was convinced um, that I could move a 500-pound iron-back piano, upend it myself through a door, lower it through a corridor over a doorstep and wheel it to a U-Haul van and put it in. Meg's like, I think you should get some help. I'm like, no, no, I've got this. Well, I kind of did. I got on one end and I upended it. and I was like, check me out. And then I got it stuck in the door. I didn't got this. <laughs> you know, uh, just a week or so ago, We were driving down towards a main intersection. And as we were heading towards the lights, I spotted the car immediately in front of us had a completely flat rear tire. I was like, man, it's so dangerous. Fortunately, as we were getting to the intersection, the lights turned to red. So I pulled up, jumped out of the car, ran to the car in front, knocked on the window, scared the living daylights out of the guy driving. So he winds down his window and I was like, mate, do you know your your rear back tire is completely flat? He swore, <laughs> and I was like, "If you want, you can pull over. Uh, I've got a tire pump. We could we could try and pump it up." You know, he's like, "No, it's okay. I'm gonna I'll drive straight across to the the mechanics. I'll get it sorted." I was like, "Okay, great." So I get back in the car, thinking, you know, good deed for the day done. Offered to help. Anyway, do you know what this guy did? the lights turn to green instead of driving straight across to the mechanics to get his tire fixed he turns left which was the way we were going onto a major road that's 80 kilometers an hour he's doing 90 pulling away from us tire flapping away at the back i'm like dude this guy he's gonna wreck his car and the likelihood of having an accident is pretty high i'm like what is wrong with him Anyway, I felt like I wanted to share that picture. That really happened. But I felt like the Lord wanted to challenge us with that image today. I want to submit that to you and to myself. That if God highlights anything to us today, if he points out something as we go through, will we respond humbly and drive straight to the Lord, the great mechanic, and into his help? Or will we respond with, it's okay, I've got this, and drive off. Today we're continuing our series of By Faith, and we're looking at By Faith Moses. And we're gonna pick it up in verses twenty-three to twenty-seven. If you've got your Bibles, you can open that on it on the screen as well. But let's read that together. So Hebrews eleven, verses twenty-three to twenty-seven says this. By faith, Moses' parents hid him for three months after he was born, because they saw he was no ordinary child, and they were not afraid. Of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he'd grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. By faith, he left Egypt. Not fearing the king's anger. He persevered because he saw him who is invisible. There are three by faith moments in this short passage in Hebrews 11. And so, what we're going to do today is we're going to look at each of those by faith moments. But before we do that, before we jump in, Uh, Let's just put this passage into context. And I've got a quick little two minute video from the incredible Bible project. They've given us permission to show this, which gives us a quick little recap from
1: Abraham to the
0: birth of Moses.
1: The book of Exodus. It's the second book of the Bible, and it picks up the storyline from the previous book, Genesis, which ended with Abraham's grandson, Jacob, leading his large family of 70 people down to Egypt. Now, Jacob's 11th son, Joseph, had been elevated to second in command over Egypt, and he had saved his whole family in a famine. And so Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, offered the family to come live there as a safe haven. And so eventually Jacob dies there in Egypt, and Joseph and all his brothers do too. About 400 years pass, and the story of the Exodus begins. Centuries have passed, and the Israelites were fruitful and multiplied, and they filled the land. Now, this line is a deliberate echo back to the blessing that God gave all humanity back in the Garden of Eden. And it reminds us of the big biblical story so far. Humanity forfeited God's blessing through sin and rebellion, and so God chose Abraham's family as the vehicle through which he would restore his blessing to all the world. But the new Pharaoh does not view Israel as a blessing. He actually thinks this growing Israelite immigrant group is a threat to his power. And so just as in Genesis, humanity Rebels against God's blessing So here Pharaoh attempts to destroy The source of God's blessing The Israelites He brutally enslaves them in forced labor And then he orders that all the Israelite boys Be drowned in the Nile River Now, Pharaoh, he is the worst character in the Bible so far. His kingdom epitomizes humanity's rebellion against God. Pharaoh has so redefined good and evil according to his own interests that even the murder of innocent children has become good to him. And so Egypt has become worse than Babylon from the book of Genesis. And so now Israel cries out for help against this new Babylon and God responds. God first turns Pharaoh's evil upside down as an Israelite mother throws her boy into the Nile River, but in a basket. And so he floats safely right down into Pharaoh's own family. He's named Moses, and he grows up to eventually become the man that God will use to defeat Pharaoh's evil.
0: So our passage today in Hebrews 11 starts with this, verse 23. By faith, Moses' parents hid him for three months after he was born because they saw he was no ordinary child and they were not afraid of the king's edict. As we saw in the video, up until this point, there's been a family line from Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, the 12 patriarchs looking at Joseph last week. And then we get to this story and the birth of Moses. And I think it feels a little bit disjointed, doesn't it? Like, who, well, who was Moses? And who were Moses' parents that we've just read about in Hebrews 11? Interestingly, Moses' parents come off quite well in the Hebrews passage. They're commended for their faith. But Moses' parents weren't your godly role models, one might expect. If we jump back to the book of Exodus, we find the full story of Moses in much more detail. And it starts with this in Exodus 2, verses 1 to 2. Now a man of the tribe of Levi married a Levite woman. She became pregnant, gave birth to a son. When she saw that he was a fine child, she hid him for three months. It says, now a man of the tribe of Levi married a Levite woman. But there are no names. And this is really odd. Not only because up to this point, the Bible has been very clear about who's who and names. But also because the book of Exodus is all about names. Exodus is a Greek word that means going out, points to the story of Israel leaving Egypt. But the book wasn't originally written in Greek, it was written in Hebrew. So Exodus isn't its original name. To Hebrew readers, this is the book of Shemot, which means names. Moses' parents aren't named until Exodus 6 which I just found really confusing. Like, Why is that when it's been so clear up to this point? Well, let's read what it says in Exodus 6, and maybe you might see why. Exodus 6, verse 20. Amran married his father's sister, Jochebed, who bore him Aaron and Moses. Amran, Moses' dad, married his own aunt, his father's sister. Now, The law that would define that this is ungodly wouldn't come until later on in Leviticus 18, which says this in verse 12. Do not have sexual relations with your father's sister. She's your father's close relative. Irony of ironies, it would be Moses who would pen that law on behalf of God and for God's people. Now, I don't want us to get stuck here, even though it's really fascinating, but I do think there's a really important point as we look at this whole topic of, by faith, Moses' parents. The writer of Hebrews doesn't highlight any issues about Moses' parents, but holds them up as an example of, by faith. Verse 23 said, By faith, Moses' parents hid him for three months after he was born because they saw he was no ordinary child And they were not afraid of the king's edict. The writer of Hebrews picks out this seemingly random Hebrew couple because they responded by faith. And because their act of faith meant that this chosen, no ordinary child, Moses, wasn't killed by Pharaoh and his evil edict, but ended up in the care of Pharaoh's daughter, which is just a miracle. Let's not get stuck here, but let's take something important away from it, and it's this. God is in the business of restoration. Maybe some of you didn't have or don't have good godly parental role models. Maybe some of you have made poor parenting choices in the past. I know I have, but God is in the business of restoration. Nothing from our family history can stop God working in our life in the future. God is more than able to restore and heal us from everything in our past and use it for his glory. Hebrews holds up this seemingly random Levite couple for their faith. Did they make poor choices in the past? Maybe, (laughs) but that's not what they're remembered for because they made a faith choice and God did the rest. And that's what they're commended for. You know, maybe you've been dealing with some challenging family dynamics or Poor family choices that maybe you made or someone else made for you. Maybe you're feeling like you have to be the one that says, okay, I've got this. You don't. Take it to God who is in the business of restoration. And we want to give you an opportunity to do that at the end. Okay. Dry mouth. Let's move on. That was by faith Moses' parents. Let's look at the second by faith in today's passage. By faith, Moses chose his identity. Verses 24 to 26 says this, By faith, Moses, when he'd grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. You know, Moses could have lived identity-wise as the son of Pharaoh's daughter with all the rewards that that would have brought. Fame, money, sex, power, influence. How many of us, if we're really honest, are still kind of lured towards those sorts of things? You know, if I, if I just had more money, if I just had more influence, if I was famous. How many of you have heard of Charlie D'Amelio? Charlie D'Amelio, for those who don't know, is now the second most followed influencer on TikTok with 150 million followers. Charlie D'Amelio exploded onto the scene with videos of dance choreography. She ended up being the first star from TikTok to appear in a Super Bowl commercial. And she's been on the show Dancing with Stars on Disney Plus. She's just 18 years old, has a net worth of $18 million. And she's influencing 150 million people. Let's just put that number into perspective. In Canada, there's a population of 38 million. And she's influencing 150 million people. Charlie D'Amelio is an influencer. She has it all fame, money, power, influence. Charlie has got this. Or does she? You know? She doesn't got this. Charlie D'Amelio has talked openly about struggling with panic attacks, being bullied online, having an eating disorder, anxiety, and depression. Now, why am I sharing this? Well, because we have a tendency to look at these influencers and think, wow, they've got this. They're my inspiration. That's that's, that's the life I want to go after. But they don't got this. Listen to this quote from an article about why do teens idolize celebrities. says this, Taking other individuals as a reference, that is, shaping life according to theirs, is losing personal authenticity. That is, losing identity. Do we really want to lose our personal authenticity? Lose our unique identity? Moses could have had it all. Money, fame, influence, an identity as the son of Pharaoh's daughter with all the worldly pleasures that he could get with that identity. Here's a guy who could have had it all. Moses could have been that guy strutting about going, tip me out, I've got this. But he didn't. He made a radical choice. By faith, Moses, when he'd grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin he regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward moses refused he made a choice not to be identified as a son of pharaoh's daughter instead he chose to endure ill treatment with the israelites who were basically slaves to the egyptians You know, Moses could have ruled over the Israelites if he'd chosen to be known as a son of Pharaoh's daughter and identified as an Egyptian. But he didn't. Moses made a choice not to find his identity as a son of Pharaoh's daughter. He made a choice to reject the temporary pleasures of sin, the fame, money, sex, power, and influence. And why? Well, it told us in verse 26. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt. Because he was looking ahead to his reward. You know, personally, I find that really challenging. Moses chose disgrace for the sake of Christ over all the treasures of Egypt. How does that example challenge us today as followers of Jesus? What keeps us from living fully for Jesus? Do we try and connect with the culture or pleasures that we're surrounded by? One foot in the world, one foot with the Lord. Do we want to hold on to our treasures, whether that's money, popularity, influence? Maybe it's a wrong relationship rather than living a life devoted to Jesus. Are we focusing our life on, I've got this? Or are we genuinely following Jesus and saying, I don't got this, but Jesus does? What or who is our number one priority in life? And I'm not saying this is easy. I'm pretty sure it wasn't easy for Moses to make that sort of radical decision. And honestly, the older I get, the more I realize I don't got this. But the example of Moses in Hebrews 11, I believe, it isn't put there by God for us to feel defeated as we realize more and more that we don't got this. I believe it's put there as an inspiring challenge to live radically for Jesus, to not hold on to personal treasures but rather hold on to Jesus. You know, maybe a personal treasure for you is the treasure of personal pride and the need to be right. That's definitely something I've had to work through. The struggle to choose Jesus, choose humility, choose to say sorry, to admit you're not always right. Honestly, I don't find that easy. Maybe it's an area of self-control. You know, life's hard, we're tired. Get home, you're like, it's been a long, challenging day. I deserve to indulge in this. Whatever your this might be. Are we saying, I've got this? Because I know when I go down that slippery slope, I definitely don't got this. Maybe I've got this is with our finances. Are we holding on to 100% or are we involving God? Charlie did a great challenge to us earlier for that. Anytime I've personally had the attitude of, I've got this with our finances, we've struggled. But when we consistently involve God in our finances, faithfully tie our 10% to the local church, God totally takes care of us. I can stand here in complete confidence and testify that God is always faithful to provide for our daily bread when we are faithful with how we steward our finances in a biblical way. It genuinely scares me to think about going it alone and thinking, I've got this with our finances and not involving the Lord. Hebrews 11, the example of Moses, how he chose his identity with the people of God rather than all the riches of Egypt. It's meant to wake us up, meant to challenge us, inspire us to get our eyes and our hearts away from I've got this and totally onto Jesus. Verse 26 tells us that, Rather than turning away from the disgrace of Christ, Moses embraced it. In fact, he regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. Moses knew that this disgrace would only be temporary, but the reward God offers would be eternal. Maybe you've been dwindling in your faith lately, maybe it's just too hard too restrictive, the world is offering pleasures and you feel like you really want or you feel like you need, you're leaning towards, I've got this. You know, to all of us, this passage in Hebrews is like a loud speaker saying, don't fall for it. Make the right identity choice. This temporary life might offer you pleasures, but it will chew you up, spit you out and wreck your eternity. Don't keep driving with a flat tire thinking, I've got this. Jesus is the great mechanic waiting for us to drive straight to him. And he's saying, guys, I've got this. Which leads us to our short third by faith point, which is this. By faith, Moses could see. Verse 27 said, by faith, he left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He persevered. Because he saw him who is invisible. How can you see something or someone that's invisible? (laughs) What's that all about? Well, we've already been told because it tells us in verse 1 of Hebrews 11. And it says this. Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. How can you see something or someone that's invisible? By faith. By faith, Moses didn't fear the king, was able to persevere because he was confident of what he hoped for and assured of what he couldn't see. The writer of Hebrews hails Moses as an example of this level of faith. Moses, whose confidence was in what he hoped for and in the assurance of him who is invisible, what we do not see. This is a great example of by faith. Moses knew his own limitations. Moses had loads of issues, by the way, loads of issues. But he had confidence in Jesus, him who is invisible. That's how you can see someone that's invisible. That's how you can see Jesus. You know, the book of Hebrews as a whole really has one overarching goal. And that's to make it clear that Jesus Christ exceeds all other people purposes or hopes that we could chase after. By focusing in on Moses, the writer of Hebrews was really trying to hammer home this point. You know, the original readers of Hebrews at the time were being persecuted under Nero. They were suffering persecution and disgrace for bearing the name of Christ. And they were considering returning to the Mosaic law. The original audience wanted to turn away from the disgrace of Christ by returning to the old covenant system. So the writer of Hebrews takes their great Moses and highlights that Moses himself made a choice, that he made an identity choice to lay hold of disgrace for the sake of Christ. Moses could see him who is invisible, Jesus, by faith. It's an incredible summary by the writer of of the book of Hebrews. It must have blown their mind when they read it for the first time. They were probably thinking, okay, guys, we've got this. Let's go back to the old covenant, the Mosaic covenant. But the writer of the Hebrews was saying, no, that's not how you get it. It's only in and through Jesus Christ. Look at Moses' example and run to Jesus You know, what I find really encouraging all of this was that Moses was just an average person like you and me. If you read the story of Moses in Exodus, you find that he was a murderer. He ran away from Pharaoh. He doubted God. He doubted himself. He doubted his own abilities. He had a speech difficulty. He took matters into his own hands. He had anger. (laughs) Like this is a regular guy that messed up big time. Yet the writer of Hebrews doesn't talk about that. He holds up Moses as an example of a great man of faith. I find that so reassuring. God loves to use ordinary people like you and me who've come to the revelation that we don't got this, but that Jesus does. God loves to use ordinary people like you and me who by faith can see him who is invisible, Jesus and then guide us to join him in doing extraordinary things for the kingdom of God. You know, there is no doubt that the writer of Hebrews is clearly linking these areas of faith for Moses back to Jesus. In verse 26, we read that Moses regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt, because he was looking ahead to his reward. The original word for Christ in the original text was Christos. There is no ambiguity here. The writer of Hebrews is going, it's all about Jesus. The writer of Hebrews, as he was writing, led by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, was clearly pointing the original readers and us to Jesus. So that's where we'll land this. By faith, Moses' parents. By faith, Moses found his identity. And by faith, Moses could see Did God highlight a flat tire to you this morning? Maybe with your family situation, maybe with your identity, or maybe your faith in Jesus. Whatever God highlighted to each of us today, we're now left with a choice, and it is a choice. It was for Moses, and it is for us. Will we respond with, it's okay, I've got this, and drive off? Or will we drive straight to Jesus, the great mechanic and into his hands. Personally, I don't got this, so I'm going to Jesus. I leave that challenge with you. Thank you for tuning in to the Gateway North podcast. We hope you've been challenged and inspired from God's word. To find out more about Gateway Church, head to gatewaywinnipeg.com.